Well, we're so glad to have all of you joining us today as we're still obviously gathering online on Sundays. If you missed last Sunday, we pushed pause on our series, Ask It, so that we could discuss what we're facing as a nation and the complexities of the spiritual and the social dynamics that are at play. So if you missed last week or you've missed any of the series that we're in, please go to newlifewichita.com where you can catch up on last week, weeks, and previous messages. And here's why I would encourage you to do that. Uh, we started this church partly because one thing we all share in common is this. Life's complicated. On a normal day, life is complicated and things are not normal right now. And each one of us, we've got big, we've got small decisions that we need to make now and need to make in the future. And every one of us desperately wants to make the best decisions for us and for the people that we care about, right? Uh, when it comes to close-to-home decisions about uh, relationships, education, romance, career choices, family, and money, and decisions in the big picture, making decisions about things in our life impacted by COVID or racial tension or politics. There's just so many things to think about and make decisions on. So we've been in this series, and we're focusing on one single question that, without exaggeration, it answers just about everything, and it's this that in every invitation, opportunity, and decision that we would ask this question, what's the wise thing to do? And we've fleshed it out into three dimensions and we've asked it this way. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my hopes and dreams for my own future, what is the wise thing for me to do? Not what's right for everybody else or what's the right thing for me, what's the legal thing, what can I get by with? It's what is the wise thing to do? And this question, it helps erase all the shades of gray in areas where we tend to deceive ourselves and find loopholes and make decisions that we eventually regret. So today we're going to take this question and we're going to apply it to one specific area of your life. And just so you know, this is going to be uncomfortable for you, not for me, but that's okay. It's okay because we all want to get better. And to tee us up, I want to start with a question. Isn't it true that when you're tempted to do something you know you shouldn't, you have self-conversations, and then you talk yourself into it. I mean, let's be honest. Your greatest regret, you were there for it, right? I mean, your greatest regrets, you were there before and after, and most of us were conscious and just sober enough to think this. I probably shouldn't. I probably shouldn't go. I probably shouldn't stay. I probably shouldn't have one more. I probably shouldn't respond. I probably shouldn't take that job. I probably shouldn't click. I shouldn't reply. I shouldn't buy. I probably shouldn't borrow. But then you start talking to yourself and you end up talking to yourself into a dumb decision that you look back on now. You go, how could I have been so stupid? Or why didn't I see that coming? Though you kind of did. And then you alone, like all of us have done, you talked yourself into something that you now regret. In the moment, we tell ourselves, well, there's nothing wrong with just. There's nothing wrong with just. All the way up to and past the line. We excuse it and excuse it, and then we cross the line and we regret it. And what we've got to get our heads around is that it's a bad idea to assume that if something's not wrong, then it's right. This is a bad assumption. And if you're a Jesus follower, you and I have been commanded to live above mere right and wrong, because you know you can get yourself into a lot of trouble doing things just because they aren't wrong. 
And if you're not a Christian, I just want you to know you've been invited by a God who loves you to live above mere right and wrong and just good or bad because God, God wants only the best for you. And today, I want to take this big question in light of my past experiences, current circumstances, and hopes and dreams for my future, what is the wise thing to do? And I want to apply it to your decisions that relate to your sexuality and expressions of your sexuality. Whether you're single or dating or married or in between, divorced, straight, gay, it doesn't matter. Anything that has to do with your sexuality, I want to apply this question to that area of your life. That's why it's going to be fun for me and uncomfortable for you, okay? So to get us started, here's what we all know. Bad moral decisions. And if you're not a church person, when I say bad moral decisions, I'm just talking about you look back and you feel you made a bad decision for yourself sexually. You have regrets sexually. Bad moral decisions are generally preceded by a series of unwise decisions. That your greatest regret morally was probably preceded by a series of unwise decisions. Because most often our greatest regrets morally, they didn't happen all at once or all at one time. They came at the end of a series, not necessarily of wrong decisions. They came at the end of a series of unwise decisions. And how do we get there? We get there simply with, there's nothing wrong with. There's nothing wrong with. There's nothing wrong with. If, if you're single and you walk it back from your sexual regret, there were a series of there's nothing wrong with it choices, right? And yet the next morning or the next week or the next month, you were filled with regret and self-loathing. Or you're in a committed relationship or you're married. You say, the fact that I'm in a committed relationship or I'm married, it shouldn't prevent me from having lunch with her. I mean, she's my coworker. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with having lunch with her. We work together. Adults have lunch together all the time. And there's nothing wrong with dinner. I mean, we worked late, you know, and everybody was going out and then we got to the restaurant and, well, the others, they just didn't show up. So it was just the two of us. But there's nothing wrong with it. And there's nothing wrong with confiding in her. I mean, things are kind of tough at home. They're tough in my relationship. And we just started talking. And the next thing you know, I'm just telling her. I'm telling him what's going on in my relationship or my marriage because things aren't that great. And, and it's just so good to have a friend to talk to. I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a friend. There's nothing wrong with confiding in a friend. It saves money. I mean, a counselor would be 100 bucks an hour. So this is like good stewardship. In fact, I think this is probably God's will. And I just listen to them. There's nothing wrong with listening. I'm just a shoulder to cry on. I'm just a listener. And there's nothing wrong with a hug. I mean, come on. We shared an, an, a, a meaningful moment together. So it's, of course, as friends, we hugged for a while. And this, this was a scene in your favorite show. Uh, the whole episode, these two people, they're just getting along. But then at the end, suddenly they're standing in front of the door to the apartment, to the house, and the music changes. And you really like her, but you don't really like him. Or you really like him, but you don't like her. And all of a sudden, there's that lingering hug at the door. And then the scene fades and it's to be continued next week. And now you're mad. You're thinking, oh my gosh, don't do it. He's a jerk. Or don't go in with her. She is such a worse than a jerk. And you're just so upset because one, you don't want them to go what's next, what you see coming because it's steps. And then secondly, because you've got a whole week 
uh, to wait to find out what happens so you're irritated, right? Because we're so patient. Well, let me make it more personal. It's not something on TV. This is a friend of yours, maybe a family member, and you heard about their lunch or their dinner. You found out that they were working late together and everybody else was gone. It was just the two of them. And you're like, man, I, I feel like I need to say something. So you kind of bring it up and he or she says, whoa, McJudgy pants. I mean, there is nothing wrong with. And, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it, but it just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem, what's that term, the wise thing to do. Then you find out they're into each other's personal lives and you're watching this drama unfold with somebody you know, somebody you care about and you see where it's going. But every time you try to say something, they just shut you down. Hey, I'm not doing anything wrong. We're not doing, there's nothing wrong with. But you just sense that this is a series of unwise decisions that's moving in a direction that's going to end badly. Well, let's get personal. This is you. Again, you're you're single, you're dating, you're married, you're in between, you're divorced, you're straight, you're gay, it doesn't matter. But you're the one who's like, hey, I, I'm, there's nothing wrong with, I'm not doing anything wrong. But if I can just dig a little because I care about you, because we're all good at this, you just lie to yourself. You, you lie to everybody else if they bring it up, but before you're not honest with them, you're not honest with yourself about what anybody on the outside can see is happening. We, we get closer to the edge and closer and closer, and then somebody calls us on it. We go, hey, I'm not done anything wrong. I mean, the edge is like, hey, I got like another foot. I'm fine. And then we get closer to the edge, and then somebody says, hey, and somebody says something, and it's like, hey, I, I haven't done anything wrong. And they're like, yeah, you're right. But they just see where this is going. This is very important. Living on the edge is totally fine if you're counting calories. Okay, if, if you've given yourself a certain number of calories that you can eat in a day, I mean, we're coming out of quarantine and you got some things you want to work off. And so you've set a number of calories. I recommend you eat every single one of them. Go right to the edge. If you're supposed to be uh, at work or online for a meeting at eight in the morning, don't get there at seven. Get there right at eight. I mean, just take it right up to the line, right up to the edge. If, if you've got a budget and you have a category for eating out and you've got some money left over, spend every dime of it. Take it right to the max. I mean, there are areas in our lives where it's just fine to live on the edge because if you eat 50 extra calories, no big deal. You spend 25 extra dollars in the category, no big deal. You're 10 minutes late to that meeting or work or with your curfew. I mean, maybe a consequence, a chewing out, but not the end of the world. But when it comes to moral things, to relational things, when it comes to the expressions of your sexuality, there are certain lines that once you cross them, it creates extraordinary regret and extraordinary complexity. And most of you, you know this because you have a story to tell or maybe 10 so with all that in mind, if there's a God who loves you, who created you, who knows your name and cares about you, then what would you expect a perfect heavenly father to say on this subject? Ah, oh, go for it. Just walk the line. Just be careful. No, we'd expect him to say what any good parent would say to their young son or daughter, which is, hey, hey, not so close. Step it back a little. So the Apostle Paul He's writing to a group of new Christians who grew up in a culture where there really wasn't a morality. There were no lines when it came to how you expressed your sexuality. 
but now this very secular audience, they believe Jesus rose from the dead, that he's the son of God, that he's their savior. And they're trying to figure out how do you live like an ex-pagan Christian? So Paul's right into an audience not too different than us in terms of culture. I mean, and he's trying to figure out how to help them. So he writes words that many of us believe are inspired by God that are so relevant for all of us now. He says, flee, flee from sexual immorality. Don't flirt with it. Don't see how close you can get before you cross a line. You're going to regret. He says, flee. And it's a little Greek word that should not shockingly uh, mean run away. It means run away. It means get as far away from as possible. Treat it like a poisonous snake. Run the opposite direction. Now, this seems so narrow-minded, right? And yet, here's where we can all agree. This is what every single one of you in a serious relationship wants your partner to do, don't you? This is what every husband or wife wants their wife or husband to do. This is what every good parent wants their teenage son or daughter to do, right? This is what every 17-year-old boy wants his 13-year-old sister to do. So to some degree, we're all hypocrites because we know this is good for the people we love, but sometimes we decide it's not so good for us. And then the Apostle Paul, he makes a comment that's so ahead of his time. It took about 1,900 years for a psychologist and therapist to figure out the reality of what he wrote 2,000 years ago. He says, flee from sexual immorality because all, all other sins a person commits. And if this helps you, you can define sins that anything you would consider to be immoral, anything you think a guy should never, a woman should never, or a person should never— All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. In other words, Paul is saying sexual sin is like no other category of sin. And to some degree, we all know this, that sex is in a category all its own. You know, when somebody walks into the office of a pastor or a counselor with extraordinary regret or pain or guilt and complex things that they're trying to work through, 90% of the time, there's something sexual involved. I mean, people move on from all kinds of other things, but things sexual seem to stick around with us for sometimes for a lifetime. Now, part of that is because we live in a culture like Paul's that treats sex and sexuality as if it's just physical. But eventually we realize it's not just physical. It's like, I, I think somehow this has affected my soul, my, my heart. It's affected my conscience, the, the way I view myself. It's affected the way I view other women or other men. It's, it is unique in the way it impacts a person. So Paul says, when it comes to morality and all things sexual, flee as in run away from, stay far back from anything immoral. Now, something I want to be clear on, God forgives. God extends grace and he loves you. But in this arena, let's be honest, we have a very difficult time extending grace and forgiveness to ourselves. So God who knows all this and who loves you, who is for you, says, come on, don't allow a series of unwise decisions that you defend by saying there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with, get you to the place where you finally step over a line that ends up going right to your heart, right to your conscience, right to you physically maybe for the rest of your life. 
So Paul says, flee, flee sexual immorality, sexual sins. Like it's in no other category of sin. When it comes to sexuality and morality and immorality, immorality, whether you're single, married, straight, gay, a teenager, a second marriage, coming out of a third marriage, it, it doesn't matter. And he says, here's the standard for God followers. People who are serious when they say, I want to follow Jesus, rather than have the world or the culture or even my appetites dictate my decisions. He says, so, therefore, honor God with your bodies. Honor God with your body. See, this is such a different standard than, is there anything wrong with? Is there a law against? Will I get caught? Will there be a consequence? Is anyone going to get pregnant? For the person that's serious about God, this is such a different standard than, well, you know, Jesus never said, and Paul said this, but he didn't really mean that. And I found this author, and he or she says that I can interpret this text in such and such a way that it makes it say what I want it to say. In other words, instead of asking, how can I get close to fill in the blank without filling in the blank, Paul says, come on, you dance a dangerous line and you eventually hurt yourself and you will eventually hurt others. It's inevitable. For the person serious about avoiding sexual regret and for the serious Jesus follower, instead of asking, how close to sin can I get without sinning? Paul says, I have a better standard. What if the new filter for your sexual expression instead of this was, will this be honoring to God? Now, for some of you, you're thinking, okay, that right there just would take all the fun out of my life. Will this be honoring to God? But think about this for a second. What if you spent just a year when it comes to all things moral and sexual asking, is this honoring to God? Am I honoring God with my body? Do you think you would have more or fewer regrets? Do you think you'd be more healthy or more unhealthy? Do you think you would view yourself in a better or lesser way? Do you think your relationships would be healthier or unhealthier? Because God is for you. And what God knows that you eventually learn is this, that you will never be happier than your relationships, ever. You'll never be happier than your relationships. And nothing complicates a relationship like sexualizing it or taking your sexual expression outside the arena for which God designed it. Because God loves you and because he loves you, he says, just pause. And instead of asking, how close can I get, ask, how do I honor God with my body? Because everything that honors him ultimately is designed to benefit us. And here's why this is a game changer for you to ask this kind of question. Because culture, culture baits us to the edge of disaster morally and then chastises us when we step over certain lines. I mean, you know this, right? Every television show, every Netflix series, every movie or book where there's anything sexual, it mentally and emotionally, it draws us right up to the line. The way we're supposed to dress, the way we're supposed to act or dance or drink, the way we're supposed to date, the way we're supposed to handle sexual desires or unfulfilled sexual desires, whether single or married, everything in culture, it just baits us to the edge of immorality, crossing the sexual line. And then when we step over certain lines, it chastises us. It's like, hey, do you hear she's pregnant? Oh my gosh, she's such a slut. I know. It's like, wait, she was just doing what happens in every television show and movie when it comes to sex. They were just having a little fun, just fooling around a bit, having a little romance. 
Why suddenly is she a slut? Where's that line? Well, we just she just is. Or did you hear what he did? Yeah, he did what everybody in every television show, commercial, and movie do. I know, but you're not supposed to actually do it. You're just supposed to entertain yourself with it. I mean, he stepped over a line, and that's culture. It baits us to the edge, it baits us to the edge, it baits us to the edge, and then we step over. It's like, oh, that's so sick. How could they do that, right? So if there's a God, he knows all this, and he loves you, of course he's going to say, no, you you got to step back from the edge. But why? Why, God? There's, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with ah, Over the edge you go. So here's the question. In light of my past experience, my current circumstances, and my hopes and dreams for the future when it comes to sexual expression and morality, what is the wise thing for me to do? What is the wise thing for you to do? Some of you, you've got sexual history. It's a history you've been writing. And you can't just go from being sexually active with whomever and with porn and then suddenly go, well, I'm just going to turn it all off. And that probably isn't going to happen. You're going to have to take some drastic measures. You're probably going to have to invite some people in to help you with that. If you take this seriously, especially if you're a Christian. Now, again, if you're, you're single, you're not married, you've been creating a sexual history. One thing you need to seriously consider that will do something extraordinary in your relationship with God is to take a year off dating. Just mark it off your calendar. No romantic or physical relationships. Now, just so you know, if you take this challenge, next week, I promise, the guy or the girl of your dreams is going to walk in. And he'll go, oh man, I took that stupid challenge. A year, you go, a year? Yes. Because I think your heart and your soul and your body and your healing and your future hopes and dreams for a relationship and for you are worth a year of your time. In light of your past experience, your current circumstances, maybe, maybe recently you went through a tough breakup, maybe a divorce, and there's been no intimacy for a long time, and you're just, you are ready. I mean, you've got a new haircut. Uh, even with quarantine, you have lost some weight, maybe a little tanning lotion or some other enhancements thrown in there, and you know, you're looking good. You are ready to be back on the market, and you are so vulnerable. And your Heavenly Father, who loves you, says, whoa, 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 you're too vulnerable. Now is not the time. You go, yeah, but God, yeah, but God, God, I, I haven't had sex in. God's like, I, I know. It's good. I created it. And once upon a time, there was no sex. I'd done everything. I'm like, I got a great idea. Angel's like, well, what is it? Said, Angel, you wouldn't understand. God says, look, I understand. You're lonely. You've been through hell sideways. I know your life's been terrible. I'm just saying, in light of your current circumstances, in your future hopes and dreams, teenagers, college students, young adults, you've got your whole life ahead of you. Why would you do something now that has the potential to undermine your own dreams for the future relationally? I mean, someday, odds are, you're going to meet the man or woman of your dreams. You're going to have, have to have a conversation about your sexual past. What story do you want to tell? You're writing that story now. What is the wise thing to do? And you need to pre-decide. Write it down. And here's why. Every study shows that if you pre-decide something and you write it down, you're 10 to 20 times more likely to follow through. 
And if you'll write a script, here's what I'm going to say when this occurs. Here's what I'm going to do if this opportunity arises. Here's what I'm going to do if this occurs. Here's how I'm going to respond when this invitation is given. You pre-decide and you write it down. How far are you going to go? Where are you going to go? Where are you not going to go? Are you going to move in? Going to not move in. How long are you going to wait? You need to pre-decide, and better yet, write it down. You'll never, ever regret it. Now, one last thing, and, and I know what some of you think. You think, okay, Chad, this is really cute, and parts are funny. I'm so glad this is almost over, but obviously you live in a cave because nobody else does this. Nobody else is living that way. Nobody else is waiting or stepping back from the line. Nobody else is doing that. Now, this is really, really important. That is not an argument. That's just a statement of fact. And here's what you're really saying. What you're really saying is, I want to be like everybody else. And my response is, no, you don't. I want a romantic relationship like everybody else. No, you don't. You want something better. I want a marriage like everybody else. No, you don't. You want something better. I want regret like everybody else's regret. I want a past like everybody else's past. No, no, you don't. You already have enough regret. You already have enough past, a history. You don't want a marriage or a relationship like everybody else. You want something better. So to allow yourself to go, well, since everybody else, that's not an argument. That's just an admission that you just want to do what everybody else is doing. Nobody spends their life just trying to be like the average person with the average marriage and the average parent with an average past, with average guilt or average addiction and the average desires and just simply do things that you later regret. Nobody does that. And that's not what you want. But if you really want what you say you want, you're going to have to step back and do what very few people are doing so that you can have the relationships that very few people are enjoying. Dave Ramsey, he uh, love that guy. He's got a great line when it comes to finances that absolutely applies to, handle, to how we handle ourselves sexually. He says, if you want to live like no one else, then you need to live like no one else. So don't justify. Don't lie to yourself. Don't go, oh, there's nothing wrong, and I go right up to the line, or I found an author that helps me manipulate the Bible so that it says what I want it to say so it can all be okay. No, no, no. What's the wise thing to do? Flee. Don't flirt with it. And if you ask that question in this sensitive and difficult area, you'll never, ever regret it because you will have set yourself up for success in the most important arenas of life, your relationships with other people, and with your Father in heaven. Let me pray for us. God, this is for every one of us. Whatever age or stage of life, it, it is just filled with challenges. And I acknowledge that. And I pray for every single person that's listening to me right now, that God, that, that you help them see clearly if they don't already 
what is that wise decision for them. And God, I'm just so thankful that Jesus said that we wouldn't just be left alone to our own strength or intellect, but if we're willing to lean into you, that you would provide a helper, what he referred to as the Holy Spirit. So I pray for every person that's listening to me that feels inside, I want to take this seriously, that you would help them, that you would help them in their heart and their mind and their spirit to do what needs to be done to make that wise decision so that they will ultimately end up where you desire them to end up. You desire all of us to end up is that we would have life that is truly life. And I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Again, I'm so glad that you spent time with us. Uh, I know that this is a difficult subject. And so if there was part of this, like, man, it's just you're really wrestling with this, really struggling, or really hit home, and you just like somebody to talk to, please reach out to me, message me. I'll be more than happy to make time just to have a conversation and process that with you. Also, if you're new, if you're a guest, there is a link in the comments. I would just encourage you to click it. It's a link for our New Life family page. It's basically a little more behind the scenes, give you a little more uh, behind the curtain glimpse into who we are and what we're all about. And then there's going to be another link for an event. And that event is in a couple weeks. We're going to be having a cookout. And uh, it's going to be in a big spread out area uh, where you can get the distance so that you can feel comfortable. In fact, we've even set up kind of a system where not only will we know your name, but we'll know, would you prefer six feet or can we hug you or somewhere in between? Because again, we recognize the reality of what's going on in our country, in our world, and we want everyone to be able to come and feel feel uh, comfortable. So there's going to be yard games, there's going to be a cookout, great games. Uh, so click the link and that way you can get all the information and then decide if you'd like to join us. Uh, but one way or another, the family page or the event, I'd encourage you to take that small next step because nobody should be doing life alone. We'd be very interested to just uh, connect with you if that's what you're interested in. And so that's your next step. Uh, But one way or another, be sure to come back and join us again next week for our next installment of Ask It. See you then.